0: what's good y'all welcome back to the playmakers corner i am one of your co-hosts simon Villanos.
1: i am one of your other co-hosts cody stoffer
2: and i am liam hughes all
0: right and we back at it we go review last chance you episode five so this was one of the more explosive episodes of this season i feel it was definitely a turning point so let's go ahead and let's talk raw reactions you know what what we think about it what popped at first all that stuff uh do one of y'all want to start
1: or i could start either one is good um should we give like a quick recap
0: yeah sure we could do that all right so uh basically this episode um basically this episode to say the least was pretty much all about the city game right and so the city for those of you who are here let me backtrack even more all right so they're coming off a pretty tough loss um right it was the where rj rj barrett like no not rj Barrett, <laughs> rj stewart <laughs> rj stewart like stewart like had his little um uh i, I don't want to be mean about it but like he had a little bit of a breakdown a little bit of a meltdown and whatnot and they lost a close one is that correct
1: yes yeah, yeah that was and his so- feature
2: episode right last episode
1: yes 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 yeah. rj episode yeah
0: and that one got heated and so you know this one was definitely like in in terms of like the season and the game and this whole team and whatnot this game slash week was really important for a lot of reasons because after that you know everyone was kind of down and so uh, this is the game that they needed to catapult themselves forward with momentum and whatnot because, you know, they still had a chance of making the playoffs, a slim chance, and they'd had to run the table, but a chance nonetheless. And so uh, in this episode, we saw Ryan Mackey come back so Dior could finally move back to receiver. And uh, there is some work to do there. I'm not going to lie here. I got to ask you all first. What do you all think about Ryan Mackey as of right now? Or Dior Walker, because in my opinion, I was I I don't know if he's usually like this. Maybe it was nerves as well. But like whether it was in practice or in the game, he was just not good, to be honest. He was missing a lot of open throws.
1: Ryan Mackey was bad and very concerning (laughs) for the outlook of the Laney team heading forward, in my opinion. I don't know if he looked rusty more than anything. Like, that's the impression that I got was you know, he did his rehab, but, you know, there's a difference between physical rehab and actually playing football and throwing a football and making reads, right? So, yes. and I think that maybe his injury, like he was wearing the knee brace too. I don't know if y'all noticed that, but he was wearing a knee brace. So I think that part of it may be nerves as well. But yeah. that might just be me. I don't know what Liam thinks.
2: Yeah. I mean, he came back from a torn meniscus in four weeks that's that's insane so i mean he probably was still suffering from the injury at least to some degree you know maybe he can actually go out and play right but i think it was still holding him back to whatever degree it was and that added in with the rust of not playing for four weeks or not being able to physically play for four weeks Uh, probably all added up to the poor performance that we saw
0: So do you think it was physically, physical rest or mental rest? Because in my opinion, or I guess not confidential rest, but like when I say mental rest, I mean like maybe his confidence was a little shot. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe he was just not feeling like he, like he was good. Like he was maybe still worrying about the knee a bit more. But in my opinion, I felt like at least, okay. At least from a intellectual mental standpoint, he was making the right reads. Like, I don't think he was. Not making the right reads, he was just not making the throws right that's the problem, but he would make the right reads like he wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't do what DiOr did and throw it into triple coverage or struggle like that like he was making the right reads but uh so did you mean physical or mental
2: um you know it certainly could have been both i yeah. would say I would say the physical is probably still holding him back from the from the injury um yeah. and then you know there's always a little bit of like doubt. When the backup, when the fourth stringer is winning games, you know, you're coming in as mm-hmm. even as the first stringer and being like, well, you know, does this team need me? Am I really the one if I mess up this throw? Or are they just going to put Dior in, you right. know? So I feel yeah. like
1: there's probably some of that going on as well. That's a really good point. I like that. This just, this team doesn't feel like Ryan Mackey's team if that makes sense like definitely not and, and if you're a quarterback like especially on a passing team right like you need to take command of that and Mackie just doesn't give that off if that makes sense like you know the quarterbacks coach earlier in the season was telling some of the other quarterbacks that they need to play with BDE and Mackie just doesn't have that he doesn't have any confidence um and he just doesn't have swagger either. Like, bro, look at your weapons, you know? Granted, Dior was also dropping some passes mm-hmm. as well, which gets a lot worse. And um, there's definitely some chemistry that was lost from, like, when Mackie went out to till now.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, Dior was definitely rusty. Like, he... He, he dropped in. Uh, I wouldn't say alarming amount of passes, but enough passes where you know it's something oh. to make a note of moving forward. Do you yep. have something to add on to that?
1: Sorry, go ahead. No. Um,
2: yeah, and oh. I, I, I mean Dior as well was probably focusing on some uh, shaking off some rust at the receiver position too, because this was his first game back as a receiver. So yeah, uh, definitely could have all mixed together there
0: yeah no for sure um was did, did you hear that stat right before the city game about dior and how he's still the leading receiver even though he played quarterback for like three weeks
1: yeah yeah three that's weeks? pretty bad but i also think that speaks volumes to the adjusted game plan with dior they ran the ball a lot more i feel with dior at quarterback because they had the option of like a read option right yeah. so
2: yeah, it's not like what? Dior was going out there and throwing for 300 yards every game and still being the lead receiver.
0: Definitely not. Um, but he also only had 240 yards. Um, oh, God. So that means nobody else put together more than 240 yards in like three games with Dior and then the one game with their starter.
2: Wait.
1: Wait no, is that just... right?
0: No, no, no. Sorry, they're, they're, they're two and three, right? Yes. Okay, my bad. So, it's the three games with the Yore, the one game with their like original starter Ryan and then the other game with um I don't even know his irrelevant. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. Dang it, what's his name? Uh the the one who didn't know the plays. So, that's I mean, he
1: he didn't throw for like a single yard, so yeah. You no, know, I I don't know mentioned. if that's, like I said, I don't know if that's necessarily a receiver thing. Yeah,
0: you're right. All right. Well then let's move on with that. Um, here, quick side note. Uh, they opened up with the story about Rajan's dad. Now that one down and that definitely got to me because I, got, I didn't notice this the first time, but the second time, and this is maybe this, maybe this is just a personal thing, but like, um, I guess Rajan's dad actually passed away the same year my own father did. So I know what it's like to be a teenager and not have a father either you know because he's not i mean rajon's not that much younger than me there's maybe a two-year difference and so there's that and so that was really interesting to hear about and a quote that from rajon that really like popped out to me was uh, so he was talking about his dad and how his death kind of flipped a switch in him you know what i'm saying like he kind of went from like (sighs) okay i don't want to say lazy but like you know he was playing for fun and he was having a good time and whatnot but maybe there wasn't that uh, urgency to the way he was playing if that makes any sense but he did say no um this is the quote that stood out but he did say i gotta do it for the people who can't do it anymore you know and i think that really i don't that stuck out to me because that's a very mature thing for him to say and you know i'm not gonna lie with rajon like I wasn't quite sure where his maturity levels were just because some of the, you know, I know he talks a lot of trash and that's, you know, that's a thing that's cool and whatnot, but you know, when it comes to maturity and accountability up until maybe this episode, it kind of just seemed like, you know, he was in his, uh, in his, in his older brother's shadow because beam did say at the, at the beginning, like, you know, Rayjean, he has to grow up, you know, he has to grow up. His brother, he's been taking care of his older brother. That is, he's been taking care of him a lot taking on a lot of the responsibilities but you know now rajon at least in coach beam's words uh has the keys to the car now and so he has to be his own man but that quote really stuck out to me um it was definitely a turning point i guess in my opinion of rajon is that a fair opinion or what do y'all think about that
1: well i was definitely caught by surprise from that story um i guess i just i just never really thought about i i i guess i just didn't really think about where Rayon's dad was because it was like i don't know i was just watching him play football sure. and then you know to find out you know kind of like a little bit of the bumpy relationship that they had and then for things to start to get better before the tragedy st- struck the way it did was just like a huge bummer um yeah. and and i really felt bad for him and um at the same time i also felt like he he was a lot stronger in my eyes too because you know because of the purpose that he got from it like there's a lot of different ways to cope with grief and to be fueled by it is really really powerful to me so you know Mm -hmm. i i gained a lot of respect for him and um and as far as his maturity goes you know it kind of showed me like a more mature side of him like i never doubted his commitment to football but like i know how serious he is about football if that makes sense
0: Hmm. i like that all right cool Uh, liam did you have thoughts
2: uh pretty similar to cody you know just Uh, i mean you know it's that's a tough thing obviously to go through um and rest in peace to Rajan's father. Rest in peace to your father as well, Simon. Um, and, you know, it's good that he's using it as fuel rather than using it um, as an excuse. Not that I think he would, but, you know, there are people out there who would, unfortunately, use it as an excuse to kind of go down a darker path in life and, you know, let anger take hold of them. And especially sure. with Rajan where his father was murdered in a uh basically an act of like pretty senseless violence i don't think the guy even probably meant to mur- to kill Raydon's father he's probably just drunk because i think it, it happened outside of a club and oh. the guy was drunk so you know really unfortunate and just like senselessly sad you know
0: mm. oh no you're right and you know unfortunately that's life um yeah uh sometimes look i mean i and i get what you're saying cody like it was definitely a little bit more heartbreaking because things were getting better and and, you know it kind of seemed like a problem and this happens a lot but one maybe not a lot but it happens in life but you know sometimes you get into a relationship that um or have a relationship that may have started rocky or was rocky but it's getting better and then You just don't reach that peak in that relationship or what it could have been you know what i'm saying whether it's love respect all of that stuff and so that's definitely a heartbreaking thing thinking about the what-ifs especially because you know it's his parent right and so i i like i mean like y'all said i definitely respect rajon a lot more it showed a more you know a more mature side to him like you could see the you could see more of the young adult rather than like the young in him you know what i'm saying because like it's it's weird to think that at these jucos these kids are really mostly just teenagers know what i mean like you may have one or two 20 year olds on the team but most of them are teenagers um they're not that far off from high school at all to be honest and it's a little crazy you know and so it is good to see some of that maturity and as a coach moving for or just you know as a coach looking at him or a scout or whatever, like it's good to see that, uh, character development. You know what I mean? With that being said, let's move on. So let's get to the meat of this episode. How about that? Let's get to the meat of this episode. All right. So, uh, this game, not only was it important because of where this team was during the season, but it was also rivalry week. And, you know, in each of the last chance you episode or sorry, In each of the Last Chance U seasons, there's always that one episode that is a Rivalry Week episode. In Indy, it was Garden City. At EMCC, it was, I don't know, whatever team was rated. Or no, sorry. At Indy, it was some like scrub team called Delta or whatever. Y'all won't learn about that later and why that's an actual rivalry moving forward. But um they always have a rivalry episode and they're always intense they're usually like i don't want to say like the peak of each season but they're pretty close to the peak of each season at least i would say um this isn't the peak just yet though but uh they they play a really big role almost always and so i don't know like this this was a little different i feel because these two teams are actually like should I say this? Like they're actually pretty, um, close to each other proximity, like distance wise. In those other seasons, like those teams weren't exactly like next door neighbors, but you know, the city, for those of you who don't know, just saying this again, it's San Francisco city college. And then, you know, Oakland is referred to as the town, right? And so it's called the city versus the town, that whole type of thing. And the way they set this up or the narrative that was put out there about this rivalry game that, at least in my opinion was that you know this this game was between you got you got the bougie you got the maybe not the upper class but you got maybe a little bit more privilege against you know the tougher kids on the block you know the kids who who grind for everything who you know things are a little bit different maybe not as given as some of these other um kiddos from from the city and so that's how they framed it you know and personally i kind of like i well not kind of i love that narrative because for me it reminds me a lot of like my own uh playing days and whatnot because i definitely played on a lot of teams that were most that were tougher you know against teams that had way more facilities had way more sponsors had everything you could ever ask for all of that stuff and so me
1: i knew it (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: to me it meant something to like you know defend yeah sorry defend your homies defend the hood defend like the culture that is in place with your team because you know the environment around a lot of teams and this goes for any you know sports team really but the environment or the community around any team you know that culture seeps in to uh football team cultures or sports teams cultures in general and it means something and that's an identity that a lot of teams revolve around or they have their ideals revolve around that and so with all of that being said uh this is just a quick note but coach beam definitely seemed a lot more high strung in the week leading up to this leading up to this game because i think he felt like i don't know i don't know if he felt unappreciated or like his own team was slowly becoming like city college like Getting all this cool stuff like the masseuses and new jerseys and helmets and like free food and all that stuff. But I think for him, and this was a note that I made. For him, it started, I don't know, I think coaching started becoming more about the materialistic things of football rather than just getting out there and whooping on somebody. He didn't like that because his personality is definitely not that of a... Uh, I mean, at least in my opinion of a super privileged, bougie type, right. Or someone who like takes pride in having a bit more than somebody else, if that makes sense. And so (laughs) he complained about it or not. uh, He complained about it a lot, saying over and over again, like, oh, y'all are so spoiled. Y'all are so privileged. They have all this stuff. Even to his family, he was complaining about it, taking it home, you know, after practice and whatnot. And that really stood out to me, and it felt a little bit out of character for Coach Beam, not going to lie. And so I wanted to see uh, what y'all thought about that, because for me, that was a little weird. Coach Beam, I mean.
2: Entitled would be the word that I think you're looking for. That was the word thrown around a lot.
0: Yeah, entitled. Yes, you're right. Entitled.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyways, uh, did y'all think that was a little out of character for Coach Beam to be bringing up the word entitled a ton and kind of, I don't know, just being a little bit more on edge this week or maybe, or was it just rivalry week? And, you know, it was going to happen either way.
1: Go ahead, Cody. I feel like, I feel like with beam, he's like, okay, we are a losing football team right now. Why, why are we a losing football team? Uh, Because these guys aren't working as hard. I think that's, where he was at and (laughs) so i feel like that was going to happen if they were a losing football team kind of no matter what like i felt like there was a hint at that happening with each loss that laney college had
0: yeah that was closer to that edge right
1: yeah so i don't really think it was about rivalry week i think it was more just about that they were losing games so
0: okay that's true
2: yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, and, and I mean, it makes sense, you know, if you you win a championship. Well, you know, just take the Broncos, for example, who won the championship, won the, the Super Bowl in 2015. And then in 2016, you know, we're feeling ourselves a lot <laughs> and we, we lose. You know, we go. I think we went nine and seven, or ten and six, or something like that. We don't make, even make the playoffs, or something. You know, and that's like one of the first times ever that the winning team who won the Super Bowl doesn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I I totally get it. I totally get the idea that, like, you know, you win a big championship, people go away. You you know, you maybe lose talent, you get talent, new talent but even that new talent is feeling themselves they're coming in thinking that you know they're they're coming to a championship team everything's great this is the team you know and then you start losing games regardless right. and okay. maybe some of that work ethic disappears a little bit especially mm. if you're not hard on people and you know don't hold them to the same standards that you were when you right. won
0: right so some of that hunger you mean right. is a little yeah. gone yeah Okay, I got you, and that's interesting because um i this is a question I wanted to ask y'all as well because the t te- or not the team, sorry the coaching staff like they're at that bar again, right, and i to be honest, just a side note, I really love those scenes because it gives a lot of i don't know because you got all the coaches in one place, and you know they're obviously bonding and they're tight, and it's cool, but anyways, um, they're talking about uh. I guess wh- why coach beam was bringing up like whole you know the entitlement card a lot right and so one of them and there are two sides to this argument but one of them brought up like well you know coach beam kind of got got a point you know they started getting all this stuff and they started losing and then the other coach I don't remember who the coaches are. I'm sorry, but the other coach went on and said, ah, oh, no, that's a bunch of BS. Like you just don't have, we just don't have the talent. You know, it's not about entitlement. We just don't have the talent. And then he called the whole entitlement card a cop out. And so I wanted to ask y'all what y'all thought about. That Cause I do kind of agree. Cause you were kind of hinting at that. Liam saying, you know, they did lose a couple games and you know, there's that, but, um, But maybe they did lose a little bit of an edge after the championship and whatnot. Maybe they were feeling themselves not just because, you know, they won a championship, but because they were getting the upgrades and getting the, you know, the riches and all the benefits from winning a championship, right? And so I just wanted to see what y'all thought about that.
1: I mean, I think you can't blame everything on it, but I think it's certainly a part of it.
0: Did you say a significant part or no?
1: Um, I feel like it's maybe kind of a part of it with like that first loss, you know, where that, they looked really sloppy. Yeah. But then after that, I think it's more football related stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. backup quarterbacks and injury woes after that. Mm-hmm. But I'd say yeah. that for that first game, sure. But to be talking about it in week five, like they've already lost games, you know. So like, right, yeah. Um, but while I do agree that he needed to address it, right, and just being grateful, I don't think that's why they're bad. They're bad because they're bad. So like, <laughs> right. okay, yeah,
0: sure. Yeah. Go go on for it.
2: Um, you know, personally, I do. I don't think it was a cop out. Maybe he went a little hard on the subject, but sure. I think he was in in his rights to to call it out and call out what he was seeing. Mm. Um, you know, he is the head coach, and he can he can tell, he can smell when there's a culture change, and mm-hmm. if even if that's a culture of frustration or or you know, getting upset at injuries. You know, it, maybe there's that sense of, man, this shouldn't be happening to us. We're the, we're, we're the champions, you know, Yeah, we shouldn't be here. We're the champions. That could definitely yeah. be something that he was smelling out and wanted to call out and address.
0: Right. I mean, honestly, it doesn't take, you You don't need talent to be a hard worker or to have a mm-hmm. championship mentality. It requires zero talent. And I, I look, I, I agree with Cody. You know, saying that after the first game, it was a bunch of football stuff, like stuff they couldn't control. And that's fine, you know, but let's keep in mind that first game was a game they shouldn't have lost at all. Like that team was ranked maybe 20th or 15th or whatever, and then they were ranked in the top five or four. So, uh, you know, like I, I just felt like that, that kind of, I don't know, that set a really bad tone for the season in general, obviously. So there's that. Um, I also kind of feel like with the injuries piling up and, you know, Dior getting in there and giving them such a good boost, like, that was good, you know? First game with Dior, that was good. I think they might have lost another close one, I want to say. Yes. I think they lost another close one. And then they had that game where RJ had a meltdown. And that game where RJ had a meltdown, I felt like was definitely probably a winnable game. Um, maybe it's just because they focused on RJ a lot and it seemed like everything was falling apart in situations like that. You just can't have that. You know, if you truly have a team that is all in is buying in, they have that championship mentality, they're going to work hard talent or not, you know, they're going to work hard talent or not. And, you know, as a coach, you know, from my experience, I've, (laughs) I've coached more teams or I've won with teams that have had that championship mentality than teams that have been maybe a top two or three most talented team I've ever seen or coached. You know? Right. And so from my experience, it really doesn't take talent to have that mentality. And it's a frustrating thing, especially when you've won with a team that's had that mentality and won. And then you have a team that's more talented but don't have that mentality and you're losing games like this. And so there's that. But with all of that being said you know, it came to a head at that rivalry game. So let's talk about it. Um, we already talked about Ryan. In the first quarter, he... Okay, not even the first quarter. Throughout the entire game, he missed a lot of open throws. I And they <coughs> weren't bad decisions. Don't get it twisted. And it wasn't like it was good coverage. He just overthrew it. There were multiple times he threw it out of the end zone. And then there like touchdown plays where he'd throw it out of the end zone or times where he'd have someone wide open and he'd just sail it right over their heads or, and, and, oh my God, this was another decision that really bothered me. But do y'all remember the play where he was supposed to hand it off to the running back? And instead of jumping onto the ball, he decided to block a defensive end instead.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that that was a really disgusting fumble to watch too.
0: Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? Like, give him the ball, you know? But it kind of... I think he was trying to hand it off to him, but he ended up just dropping it and then blocking the defensive end instead of... I don't know. And, Loki, that's kind of how he got hurt last time. So, ah, come on, man. That's a really big mental mistake, in my opinion. So, I don't know. But it was a tough defensive matchup in general. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so here I I'll, I'll let y'all jump in real quick though. So what what y'all think initially of the game? I, let's say first half. What'd y'all think about that first half of the game in general.
1: Well, there's two ways to look at it. One is great defense from both <laughs> teams, and the other way is disgustingly terrible, awful, icky offense from both teams. Now, this is the way I like to see it. I think Laney College being the defending champions played sloppy, horrible, disgusting defense, or offense. (laughs) And then I think that they played spectacular defense. A lot of those turnovers were earned. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Laney Laney offense was giving the ball away, whether it was turnovers or sailing the ball or getting kicks blocked. Like, I think those were more giveaways, and the defense was creating takeaways, rather than the San Francisco defense creating takeaways if that makes sense 100 right they You're were right. just picking up what that. was given to them
0: mm, yeah for sure yeah him? sorry cody did you have something more to add on to that
1: i was just gonna say i thought it was entertaining though but i was rolling my eyes like non-stop uh you yeah. can go to lead him now though
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i was rolling my eyes too but at the offense because I mean, maybe they just framed it this way, but it definitely looked like the defense was balling out. And then the offense, not even, okay, not even everyone. It really just seemed like it was Ryan Mackey just literally missing every single important throw that there possibly could be. I'm pretty then, sure there you were know,
2: some Dior drops, though, to be fair to Ryan. In it? that early, Yes,
0: the first half. Oh, okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, my bad. So, okay, everyone was not clicking. Let's just say that right. everyone was not clicking, and the rust was more than evident. But go ahead, Liam.
2: Um, yeah, I would, I would completely agree. the uh, the de- The defense was kicking, dude. The defense was on top of it. They were, mm. they were just bringing it every play and not giving up at all. And the offense, um, they were asleep. They were asleep. Huh? nothing really else to say about it they were asleep
0: yeah you're right uh i love the vibe of the defense too they brought the energy Mm -hmm. it really did because every time the offense took out the energy and the mood in the stadium the defense would just pump it back in with a big time play right and so realistically if if um Okay, because I don't even feel like the other team's offense was making that many mistakes. I just felt like the defense was forcing turnovers, but if the offense on the other team was clicking even just a little bit or they didn't have as many unfortunate mistakes, I definitely feel like they would have been up by a lot more because of the offensive woes, but we'll get to that. So anyways, we're going to halftime. This really stood out to me. This is another uh, big difference when it comes to coach beam compared to other last chance you coaches. But You know, he he had a different attitude. Like, didn't seem as frustrated going into the locker room as he definitely could be. If that makes sense. Because I felt frustrated for him.
1: (laughs) And I think I actually commented on that. I actually commented on that to Liam when we were watching the episode. I was like, bro, like, he was like clapping and being like, come on, let's go. And I'd be like, Hold on to the ball. What is wrong with you? Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And losing my mind because it's all like fundamental mistakes that they're making, right? It's like what uh-huh. the heck is going on? This is college football. But Bean, you know, m- like you said, mad respect to him. Uh because spoiler alert, it ends up working out. Um yes. It he he remained positive during during the most like mind-numbingly bad offensive football yes yeah
0: uh agreed because <laughs> i was i don't know like i okay i i can't say what i would have said but i would have definitely be been hollering at the offense a lot more than beam apparently did but yeah i mean i love the vibe though because he look he knows who he is like, he knows who he is. He knows he was riding this team pretty tough leading up to the game and whatnot, but he knew in this moment, like, look, I can't <laughs> I can't be coming out like that because I'll put a lot of uh, players off if I do. You know? So he came out with a lighthearted approach. He was like, hey, you know, this is the kind of game we love, you know? This is what we love. This is what we live for. Let's have some fun with it, you know? This is a battle. And he, he put a positive spin on it, and that alone motivated probably... Oh my god way more players than if he just came out like slashing at the offense you know what i'm saying and did you have anything to add on to that halftime speech or reaction
2: yeah 100 i think he um oh my god i keep saying that um <laughs> i think he saw that the, that the offense was kind of breaking the offense like their morale was down they they knew you know sometimes the, your players know what they're doing wrong and sometimes it's useless to tell them what they're doing wrong when they know they're doing wrong you know right and you got to just pick them up sometimes that's the mm. that's the mark of of a great coach that's the mark of a great leader it is, is knowing when to break down and when to build up
0: mm. yeah and it is and um this is just a note uh compared to last week i mean i think I mean, I don't know if he could see RJ's little uh, meltdown and whatnot. I'm sure he probably had some word of it because it was pretty it was pretty visible, to be honest. Right. But I, this is, you know, this is a great example of a coach making adjustments week to week even, you know, like he knew like, hey, you know, I came a little bit harder at halftime. He approached his players a lot tougher the week before, you know, and was not, super merciful at them and you know see what happened they broke down at the end Mm -hmm. or they melted down at the end but this game it was a different approach so let's talk about this second half Uh, a lot went down in that third quarter (laughs) like between injuries and between score changes in general um because it was 0-0 going in wasn't it yep yeah and so i'll give a quick breakdown Basically, you know, they, they came out. Offense was still struggling a little bit. They really, I don't know. They, it was pretty bad. But uh, basically, I think the biggest thing to take away from this third quarter was that Rajon got hurt. And that was a little bit of a motivator to a degree because I think he got hurt. And then City College ended up taking the lead. And it was 3-10. Hey.
1: Watching that was hard yeah part uh rajon getting hurt
0: yeah you're right do you want to talk about that a little bit more go ahead
1: well rajon is the best player on this team in the program i don't know if that's just my opinion but i feel like that's an accepted truth even within the program and Mm -hmm. for him to go down and then for you know san san fran to score that was bad and then you know thinking about (laughs) like these guys it's been made abundantly clear that everything is on the line this season for you know almost all the main characters right Mm -hmm. and so you start to worry about you know when he's talking on the sideline I'm scared I'm scared like I understood why he was scared because it's like yo if that ankle if he's out for the season like what does that how does that impact his recruiting right like are people going to start rescinding offers so I understood why that was a freakout moment for both Laney College and John. but you know, once again, Coach Beam responded excellen- excellently, to it. So, but uh, what were your y'all's thoughts?
2: i had Liam. Um, yeah, John was just scared. You know, you could you could hear it in his voice, obviously. Um, and most importantly, though, I think he was overreacting. Um, which is totally, oh. totally, totally understandable. I'm not going to say it's wrong for him to overreact. You know, he's he's terrified. Um, but the way that he was moving after the injury happened, I think should have just been a clear indicator that it's not as bad as he thinks. Um, and I, I get why he thought it. he had a broken ankle. But it's important to try and take a deep breath in those moments and, you know, analyze what's happening. You probably wouldn't be able to walk or it would be obvious if it was a broken ankle. So, that's why I say I think he overreacted. Not in a bad way, just in a a scared way, you know. Just in a, like, a hurt animal kind of way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I could definitely see that. I think i i would say he overreacted a little bit too um at that point i definitely feel like it was a mix of like adrenaline and like a lot of emotions going on you know uh Mm -hmm. which isn't you know obviously that's never a really good mix and so he was all over the place i don't think he broke it either he definitely probably fractured something though it was Uh, a high angle that's it seemed Okay, well, we did end up finding out it was a high ankle sprain. I was saying, I meant like, you know, if I felt like he probably fractured something.
2: Oh, gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a high ankle sprain, but high ankle sprains could still be um tough because those are those injuries that kind of just linger, you know? Like, sometimes they don't ever actually heal properly or at least in a season they don't and they just linger. And so for you know even that you know that that's definitely scary to think about because laney had uh what is it five more games after or four more games after this one right yeah okay and so with that in mind you know a high ankle sprain could definitely take you out for all five you No. Know? be good right you know assuming i assume you'd probably be good after those five games like for sure uh but maybe if you try to rush it back after three and then you get hurt and then you you know that's a whole thing and so i definitely get it and i love uh coach beam oops sorry i love coach beam's response to the whole thing you know just showing love you know being being who he is right being a player's coach to a degree and being like hey man like it's all good like you're strong like it'll be okay don't worry about today we'll get it taken care of tomorrow we'll get back to it type of thing and then the players really rallied around that and so um that was definitely a low point that was definitely a low point maybe maybe in this whole season I would say as well because it was against a rivalry and they were losing and so what happened next really as someone <laughs> as someone who's been in these kind of rivalries before you know um at least narrative wise, it really bothered me like, i'm sure it bothered y'all a lot but it really bothered me when city college like took a seven a 7 point lead they're not even winning by two scores but <laughs> a 7 point lead and then started dancing on them right before the kickoff like not just the players on the field but everyone like pretty much everyone and i don't know i i wanted to see how y'all felt about that cuz to me that's the ultimate disrespect maybe not the ultimate disrespect but it's pretty well actually yeah it is kind of the ultimate disrespect because it's like if you know you were showboating or something like that like like this game's already a wrap even though there's a whole quarter to play whole quarter in a minute to play you know what i mean
2: right yeah Yeah. no i mean it was was completely disrespectful and that's part of the fun of football is sometimes you get into you know positions where you're where you can disrespect your opponent especially in a rivalry and that can be a lot of fun um it can also be heartbreaking to be on the other side of it um and it can be heartbreaking to be disrespectful and then still lose you know so
1: <laughs> yeah that- um
2: go ahead Cody.
1: i was gonna say that moment when they started dancing is when i knew laney was gonna win that football game really yeah just oh, like right there I was like coach beam isn't going to stand for this and I know that there are strong emotional leaders on this team like Dior and they're not going to stand for it that Laney College is going to win this football game especially with Rajon being sidelined and then you know still trying to hobble back into the game like I know that that made the cornerbacks play even better in, in that yeah. moment for that game, and then to watch like because they're basically okay. Like not only was the sportsmanship poor, you know, dancing on your home field, right, on your rival's home field, right, but it's right after their best player just headed to the sideline with an injury. Mm-hmm. That's why they thought they won, and so I think Laney College is like, okay, first off, we're more than Rajon Wright, and second off, we're gonna win the rest of this football game for Rajon Wright, and. Need to say that's what they did.
0: Exactly. It wasn't a pretty win. <laughs> let's, no. let's just put that in keep that in mind. It wasn't a pretty win. But they they found a way to get it done. You know, and they came back. Uh that first touchdown. Oh, wait, right? Hey, hold up. Because they kicked off the ball and then Ryan Mackey, he he led a really great drive and he kind of came alive. Well, they all came alive and they scored a touchdown, didn't they? Was it a field goal?
2: Uh, there was a really good kickoff return where the the returner got kind of nailed by the by the punter I thought there was gonna be some some bad blood after that I thought there was gonna be a fight yeah. after that um but that happened and then they I think they drove down and scored
0: a, a touchdown
2: I'm pretty sure
1: yeah.
0: yeah and so that was big um and yeah you could see some of the fire there too and I loved it. You know, and then eventually a couple of defensive stops and whatnot, and then they kicked a field goal and they win the game 13 to 10, basically. Uh before like we completely move on, though. I really liked how Dior after they scored that touchdown, how Dior was like, hey, like, don't don't be doing none of this stupid dancing stuff. Like, let's just stomp him and get out of here, type of thing. Right. Uh that yeah. really stood out to me. New had a really good um I guess moment where the running back got like uh, it was like a, a one of you know one of those shoves after the whistle and the running back shoved the kid back and the new got in his face and was all like hey man like what are you trying to do like you can't be doing none of that and so all of that all of those things together really just showed me like you know how many like how what well you said Cody how many emotional leaders they have on this team right like like i said um sometimes you're just not gonna have all the talent in the world it is what it is but if you have that championship mentality and that starts with your emotional leaders and having multiple not just Dior but having multiple emotional leaders that are like hey let's go get this thing done you know on the defense on the offense um captains non-captains that means something and so they all came through and I felt like this was as solid of a team win as they as they come by yeah
2: absolutely absolutely Let's talk about Nuu, because this was the best game I think all of us have seen from Nuu, and he yes. he balled out. He was aggressive. He he played with some rage, you know. He played with some fury, and he he, he dominated. that the yeah.
0: yeah, he played fantastic. Um, that, that's also why it was a little frustrating why Ryan wasn't getting it going too, right? In my opinion, um, or the offense in general. Because that running back had a really bad fumble in the first quarter. Which, ah, man, was bad. But, yeah, no, I agree. I was impressed as well. Buddy, did you have anything
1: else to add on to that? Uh, not really. Uh, the town won. So, uh, <laughs> that was exciting. <laughs> I'm strong to the town. Oh, that was exciting to watch. Uh, uh, yep. Liam had his own little call-out. Because yeah. like, I was like, yeah, Simon's going to be like, yeah, I was part of that town. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> Liam had his own little call-out of me. So, Simon, the reality is that we're in the same boat. Yeah.
2: What do you mean? I was like, Cody's just out here romanticizing Oakland now because he's part of the town, <laughs> too. He's from a town. You know, just thinking that... <laughs> a town's better than denver and denver gets all the cool stuff and
1: i i dissociated into uh (laughs) thinking oakland and aurora were the same place yeah exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) well okay but see that's that's the beauty of like this documentary though because if you are a football player or an athlete or a competitor of any sorts like those are the type of things that naturally come up right like the age old narrative of like the privilege versus the um not privileged like that's a thing. Oh you know? and so that's the beauty of it and I don't know. I definitely I definitely felt with it as well. Obviously this whole series wouldn't be popular if nobody actually <laughs> if nobody actually related to anything that went on,
2: but Right. You no, know,
0: There you go. Oh yeah. Um
2: no, I I totally get it and you know um, Cody said Longmont's the town and Boulder's the city, which, you know, to a much lesser degree, (laughs) much lesser degree. (laughs) um, But like I can I can kind of admit to feeling stuff like that, feeling like, you know, like the rich people in or the rich people in Boulder always got the cool stuff. And Longmont had to, you know, we had one field for the city to play football on for a while that all the teams would have to go and play football on for their home um, games
0: if you're not from colorado nobody knows what we're talking about yeah right exactly <laughs> all right well well that being said i kind of said it earlier but my bad i talked over somebody but hey <clears throat> when you come to the town you gotta come strong it is what it is this is rivalry week or it was so you know so this is a good dub um oh man first off the cinematography in this whole uh, episode was awesome and the swells with the music was great as well, I mm-hmm. might add. Uh, what is it? There Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City? Yes, sir. That was a great, that was a fantastic music choice. Just throwing that out there. But anyways, coming up, got a film breakdown. Uh, kind of not really a career breakdown, more of a film breakdown. We're going to break down the film of former Juco or former uh, Independence Community College Juco player. Carlos Thompson, wide receiver. I'm next. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. We're here back at it with another film breakdown. This time of a wide receiver. I don't think we've ever done a wide receiver film breakdown yet. Nope. Yeah. We haven't. So this is good cuz this is Cody's bread and butter. Um so let's get right into it. We got Carlos Thompson. Let me give the T on Carlos Thompson real quick before we get into the film. Um another last chance you player from the indie seasons. He was in the first season that they fit, uh, that they featured Independence Community College. He was one of Malik Henry's many weapons on this team. Malik Henry had three really big okay maybe not three he had four or five really big weapons on this team three of them were receivers uh they're led by the vet which is carlos thompson followed by uh my boy okay i don't want to associate myself with him anymore but marquise king and then calvin jackson as well all guys who are d1 talents in my opinion Uh, carlos thompson you know he's a texas kid he's from manville texas and their football or yeah i shouldn't say their football team but their high school football team over at manville is definitely one of the uh perennial playoff contenders they're pretty good you Now they'll win a state championship every now and then and so he was part of that excellent program over there he ended up um sorry he ended up committing to texas tech originally uh he played his freshman year there uh i oh shoot y'all y'all aren't on that season yet whoops Okay, but anyways, in Last Chance U, they actually showed a highlight from his Texas Tech days. It's a really good kickoff return that he had for a touchdown as a freshman, and he killed it. You know, he did his thing over there, but unfortunately, a combination of grades and attitude problems, uh, just a bunch of stuff, nothing legal, just a bunch of those problems came up, and so he was basically kicked out of texas tech they said hey like if you're gonna keep acting immature then we can't have you around because that's not that's you know you're not the big boss here just keep and even if you were you know this is our program not yours and so um basically he took i want to say a year or so maybe a year and a half off from football and he was just working and then kind of like a lot of uh the last chance you players, he figured out like, hey, I kinda hate working at a Walmart or being a car valet, or I think he was a car valet and whatnot. And I actually wanna, you know, play football as a career, because that would be kind of cool. And so he ended up following Jason Brown, the head coach at oh sorry, the head coach at Independence Community College and he followed him to garden city at first because jb was i think the oc over there and so he followed him there and then jb obviously got into that um very (laughs) very visible and vocal dispute with the coach and so he left before the season started and brought carlos with him back to cali and then eventually they both ended up at independence community college and so I want to say, let me see. I want to say he was either 23 or 24 when he got to independence. And it was a long ride because leading up to then, he still was like pretty immature, was getting in trouble all the time and was just acting a fool, you know, but he's a great talent. I mean, that's really the only reason he's stuck. He's a great talent, even though he's only 5'9", 185. And he's, he's electrifying, you know, he has great speed and all that stuff. But before I get into all that, let's talk about the strengths of Carlos Thompson. We saw some of his film. Um, so y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead and start since y'all didn't watch the season yet. But Cody or Liam, what are the strengths of Carlos Thompson?
1: Liam, you mind if I go? Okay. So the first thing that stood out to me about Carlos Thompson was his body control slash balance. There were a lot of times where he was shoved off of either his route or, you know, if he was on special teams, like as far as like kickoff goes, and he was trying to stay in his lane, he did a great job of maintaining that balance and then getting right back on track. There was one play in particular that was a pass play that went down the sideline where he maintained, he caught the ball in bounds and it was kind of a tough catch. And then he juked inside and somebody tried to pull him out of bounds and he stayed on one foot and just kind of like spun in a circle before another person had to come in and hit him and the truth is if if no one came in and hit him the rest of the way out of bounds he would have spun 360 degrees on one foot went facing forward again and would have ran up the sideline and scored so he just has great control over his body and that makes him dangerous at the receiver position and he has to have that control at his size so he definitely knows what he has to excel at and then continues to excel at that You know, he had some good sideline catches he had he's really good at high pointing the ball too which is a part of that body control right because and knowing your body as well just knowing hey when do I have to jump like there's a lot that goes into that that's just like muscle memory to a point of being in control of your body so that jumped off right from the get-go for me i also really liked his versatility you know he was on kickoff he was on kickoff return punt return he was on punt he was on offense and on offense you know he could also block at the wide receiver position he could run out routes in routes go routes so you know he's just a really good athlete is the truth and uh just kind of seeing him play all over the field reminded me of a few years ago like a Denard Robinson at Michigan kind of guy that was literally everywhere on the field and I was a little surprised to not see any wildcat of him just because of his athleticism but when Rakeem Boyd is in the backfield I guess that's what happens um the last strength that I have because I I do my sets of three is I loved his intensity like He's a super physical receiver, and he doesn't let being 5'9 take away from that. Like, he loves to hit people. He loves to get tackles. He loves blocks. I'd even argue that he looks like he's having more fun blocking people than he does when he catches the ball. And when he catches the ball, yeah, he can juke, but he's not afraid to lower his shoulder, and he fell forward almost every time he lowered his shoulder. So, he is a very fiery 185 pounds, and that you just got to love it about him. So.
0: Mm-hmm. ahead, right, Liam, you could go next.
2: Yeah. Um, definitely seemed to play a little bit. Well, I mean, just from the highlight reel, seemed to play a little bit more of the return man role than, uh, just like a straight up receiver, but he excelled in both positions. I would say he has an, a lot of nice, um, like subtle little moves like just a little throw of his shoulders to to, to throw somebody off um of where he's going and then kind of just run the opposite way you know not like a full juke because the guy's too far away but you know even stuff like that can can help you out so those were beautiful to watch and you've got great footwork obviously nice hands um and yeah seem to have real competitive spirit
0: all right nice yeah hey i mean absolutely agreed um look he's a playmaker you know if (laughs) if you need a play like he's a playmaker and he's made some pretty big plays some of the plays there like in the reel that i sent y'all like alone it doesn't look like a big deal like you know it's maybe a 20 or 30 yard gain but in those games um at least how it was framed in last chance you those plays were like big time like mood changers you know you know what i mean like some players just make plays that you know just they they swing the mood of the entire game if that makes sense and so I feel like like that. this is a little bit more of an intangible type of thing what i'm trying to say here but he definitely has a really good feel for that you know what i mean like when to make those plays that just you know swing the mood of a game and it's a it's a hard thing to like i don't know i'm having kind of a hard time putting it together do y'all know what i mean like you know there there are just some players that just know like hey right here right now i gotta make a statement not just because not just because but right here right now is the perfect time to make a statement in fact if that makes any sense not just babbling here like th- does that actually make sense though
1: yeah well obviously context is important and um yeah you know I- any good field position that's provided by a player is integral and it makes everyone else's jobs easier so you know that's i you're not you're not just babbling you're spitting facts right now
0: okay okay
1: (laughs) just making sure not crazy simon
0: (laughs) okay okay i'm just making sure y'all were a little silent on me so i was like oh shoot but all right okay cool cool all right yeah so he is definitely a playmaker um i could okay i can't talk about his tech stack days but while at independence he was definitely a leader at least in the season that i saw He was definitely a leader, someone who held people accountable. Like, like we talked about Malik Henry Henry, um, last week or whatever it was, right? And in my opinion, Carlos Thompson was a way better leader and much more of an emotional leader of that team than the quarterback. That says something because, you know, everyone's going to naturally rally. Excuse me rally around the quarterback um but for a receiver to do that especially that's big time to me and so um all of those things said those are just the intangibles of carlos thompson also he's just a naturally gifted athlete you know great hands really good speed uh like you said cody like good strength as well for someone who's only 5'9 185 very impressive strength i would say uh he's a good blocker he, he's a football player he, he's a football player straight up you know and um, I know you did say that you are surprised to not see many wildcat uh, plays out there, but I'm not going to spoil it because, you know, saying what the plays were would spoil it, but he did actually have a wildcat package made for him, and it was pretty, at least in my opinion, it was integral to that game. So, there you go. I don't know why it wasn't on his highlight reel. I think maybe it's just because he wanted to show a uh, wide receiver film primarily, though. So... Maybe that's it. Anyways, with that being said, what are some weaknesses of Carlos Thompson that y'all could see? Should I go first or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: go. I'll ahead. Go first. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, so weaknesses for Carlos Thompson, look, because he was a JUCO star, we are nitpicking a little bit, so just throwing that out there. Also, I wasn't a wide receiver, so throwing that out there as well. But I felt like his uh routes could have been a little bit more crisp have a little bit more precision precision to them. Um, there are definitely routes that he rounded off a lot, I felt. And look, with Malik Henry and, you know, with all that talent on that team in general, because they had a ton of offensive talent, you could get away with that. Malik Henry's talented enough where he'll put the ball wherever you are. right? Like he doesn't need you to run the best route to for him to give you a chance to make a play so that's just that but i mean i guess that's the benefits of working with a good quarterback but anyways um just you know that's discipline stuff like just run the route you know just run it with precision and so for me that was the biggest thing honestly um yeah that was the biggest thing that came to mind actually i can't really think of a whole ton of other of other weaknesses so Cody, liam y'all go ahead
2: yeah, I have to agree that his uh, his route running seemed a little bit weak, and ultimately, that's going, that's what's going to hold him back from going taking those next steps. Um, so, while maybe it is nitpicking at this level, at the next level, it's not really going to be nitpicking. Um, would be my opinion on it.
0: Mm, yeah,
2: um, which isn't to say that he can't fix it, and not to say that it, you know it it will be a, a problem going further for him. But, you know, that is that is something that you have to pay attention to. And I know a lot of guys rely on their their leadership skills and their speed and the other physical skills. And maybe sometimes less figure out the fundamentals or, you know,
1: basics. let the
2: fundamentals in the basics fall apart a little bit. Um,
0: I mean, we see that a lot, too, with all of the players that we've reviewed so far as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big deal in my mind. Um maybe, maybe I'll just take a step further and make it a bigger deal than you made it, um with that argument. Okay. But that's fine. Um like like we did say it is nitpicking at this level. Yeah, he was rounding rounding them off, but he still ran the routes well, he still got open and um he still did fine. Cool. Well, Otherwise uh, I would say what's his his size? That's
0: Five nine, one eighty five. It's not yeah. great, but I That's, mean, for a wide receiver, it's not the worst. Right. Dior, Dior, is smaller. Dior Walker Scott, he's smaller. Yeah. I think so.
2: That is a weakness, though, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, it's just it's not the greatest size in the world, and not that it's ever held people back before, but it has. Or what am I saying? Um, and it has held people back before, but people also succeed in spite of it. And sometimes succeed because of it. So if he can just make it work to his advantage in almost every situation, he'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo some of the same things that y'all brought up too, and then maybe just like a couple a couple other things. But yeah, being five foot nine, if I'm a recruiter, that is kind of a weakness, right? Um, like Simon said, they're smaller, but when you combine five foot nine with some of these other things, then it starts to become a problem, right? Right. Where, you know, he, like he rounds out routes, but that's not as concerning to me as him drifting on those in routes, you know, on or ends. Mm -hmm. He ends up going four or five yards past where the route's supposed to be. And, Simon, you mentioned Malik Henry's a, a division one talent, right? You know, he, he can Absolutely. compensate with that and there's chemistry there, but that's how you get interceptions thrown for quarterbacks is you drift away and, and a linebacker or a cornerback who had no business making the play. Cause you're supposed to cut them off on that in route now has a chance to make that play. You also put yourself at risk of just floating right into a safety or a linebacker when you drift like that. And that's kind of the last point that I want to bring up. And one of his weaknesses is he's pretty reckless. So I bring this up upon watching the film where, you know, there were some there is a punt return or two where he catches it and the other team is all around him and he makes a play out of it. Right. But, bro, that's not going to fly outside of junior college and you are going to get lit up and you're going to fumble the ball like that is just not going to fly um there is also the kickoff return where he kind of bobbled it and you know at at his size and speed and stature and the type of player he is you know if he were to go to the next level i think would be as a special teams player but when you make mistakes at the juco level like you know not fair catching a punt that where you're surrounded by the entire enemy team you know muff not necessarily muffing a kickoff return but you know bobbling it a little bit and getting it off the ground before taking it like that doesn't work at the next level and i think that those things combined with his size combined with you know his drifting on routes and his rounding out is what led to him not getting a division one offer
0: well okay here <laughs> i gotta throw this out he, there because he
1: the- go d1 after juco
0: yeah he did it that's, well, that's not because of his talent um so here I, I should probably throw this out there. So like I said, I brought up his age earlier and it was kind of for a reason because he took a little bit of time but because he played his freshman year, like his very like you know his very first year, right when he got on campus, his uh, division wa- his division one clock started ticking. And so because he took so much time to get back, uh, which it was a pretty sizable amount of time, he was no longer eligible to play Division one football so that's why he didn't get a d1 scholarship um it wasn't the talent at all i don't think at least i feel like it wasn't but yeah so and then they explained that, okay, Max that makes sense yeah and so they knew like he knew that you know this was like his second or third junior college he was at So like he knew that um but yeah so just throwing that out there
1: fair enough but yeah those were some of the weaknesses that i saw from carlos thompson but otherwise a very special athlete in my opinion um and like i said the strengths that he had were just three that i thought of but you know and other forms of route running like improv he did a great job of reading where the quarterback needed to go and following the quarterback there when the play broke down so you know what he doesn't check off the box in in some areas he puts two check marks in other areas. Right, exactly.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um I want to I want to say Cody though I think the I obviously we watched the same highlights so I think we're talking about the same play. Um I felt I had a different feeling about the one where he he kind of caught the ball with everybody around him. Um I felt like he kind of and maybe this is me overthinking, but I felt like he stood maybe like five yards behind where the ball was going to land. And so he let people, he let the defenders come in, thinking that he was going to be trying to catch it there when really the ball was going to be landing five yards ahead. And then he ran forward five yards, caught the ball and, and took off, letting them like run right past him. That was just my personal thing, thought on it. So I thought that was really cool, but maybe that was, uh maybe that was too reckless
1: maybe that'll just get you crushed in the NFL. Fair enough. But right. yeah, I, I definitely think that's just not a risk that, um, that you take. You take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah.
0: No, I, I get that. Um, you know, there are things that he needed to fine tune or well, honestly, he was probably cool. Good at him. Like he just didn't have the discipline to continue to show that off, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. So, there's that uh i wanted to ask y'all real quick what y'all thought about yes his physicality when it came to the point of catch because we didn't really see him catch a lot of contested balls that's probably just because he's getting separation and whatnot but um his teammates though you know no spoilers well actually i think maybe you saw this game but His teammates definitely made – they're, like, all around the same height, you know, like, so don't get it twisted, and around the same weight as well. But his teammates, in my opinion, definitely showed um, a lot more physicality at the point of catch than Carlos did at times. Like, I could probably trust his teammates to catch a jump ball better than I would Carlos. And so I just wanted to see what y'all thought about it.
1: Um, I only saw him catch two jump balls on his highlight reel, but – he looked to be i guess it wasn't like his physicality it was his athleticism that jumped out to me so i could kind of see that point hello okay yeah Yeah. i'm just making sure you heard me
0: oh yeah and i mean i get that he has strong hands too no yeah i mean i think he still has strong hands i just i don't know i think his teammates just Um, maybe they're just a little bit stronger. They're not that much bigger at all, though. So I don't know, but okay. Well, with all that being said, uh, I'm gonna tell y'all what happened to Carlos. So, you know, he like I said, he couldn't go to a D1. In my opinion, he was a D1 talent, at least an FCS talent, you know, and he couldn't do any of that. So he ended up going to a D2, he went to the okay. I can't say the best D two out there. Cause I'm not super familiar with the D two scores like that, but he went to a school with a lot of really good facilities, or at least they're known for that. And, um, he, he did well, you know, he did his thing. He put up pretty much the same numbers he did at the Juco. And then in 2019, Wait. sorry, one second. Let me see. Uh, I think it's 2019. Yeah. So in 2019, he declared for the NFL draft and he had another year of playing at the D2. And in my opinion, he should have took that year because one, I mean, you know, his stats weren't like record breaking at all. Like he had a solid like 900 to 1000 yards and then a good amount of touchdowns, but nothing that would like get the, I guess, get the eye of an NFL team. Unless they're already looking, which I don't think they were because it's a D2 school. So there you go. But they ended up declaring uh, nobody picked him up. Then the XFL actually sent him an invitation to their draft and then nobody
1: picked him up. Wow, the XFL's is pretty bad about that, huh?
0: Yeah, that they've done that to almost all of the Last Chance U players. <laughs> actually, all of the Last Chance U players. Not going to lie. Kidding. I don't think any of them actually made in the xfl so that's interesting i don't know if that's just like uh I guess you know a marketing ploy and they really had no actual like intent signing last chance you players but yeah because they had a chance to get ronald dolly didn't get him um oh okay well i guess there was one they had they wanted to get john franklin who's this really fast quarterback slash cornerback and they did and then the bears signed him or someone signed him so there you go and obviously he took the NFL offer because it's better than an XFL offer and so yeah but basically right now he is a um he's a free agent at least that's what it says in his twitter bio an NFL free agent apparently and i i don't know he just hasn't had any chances at all at any of the training camps and i think it's really sad cuz In my opinion, I think he's definitely worth, you know, he's definitely worth a a look, at least an invite, like at least see like, all right, you know, we could bring him to our training camp and he could just be an extra body and we'll see what he has, you know, but not even that. Um, As far as I know, he has not had any chances with any football league, that is, not even the CFL, which is actually kind of crazy to me, so Oh no. That's kind of that's honestly more of an example. It's not look, he he's not kept out of the pros because of his route running. I think that's kind of stupid if it was cuz I don't feel like his route running was that bad.
1: I say that's probably it though, but he's very talented. Um I say if he ever went to like training camps um cuz cuz they do uh occasionally have like tryouts and stuff. He could try and do that, but he's probably past that point
0: yeah just i i would say so just a little bit which is a shame like he's a good talent it's i mean this this is a good lesson to teach though because if say he was like three or four years younger or okay maybe not even four years say he was even two or three years younger um and like didn't take that year off or uh, didn't bounce around from junior college to d- junior college trying to get his like stuff together and he'd probably be a pro football player by now or at least have a chance to be a pro football player by now but although that's why choices are important like that you know sometimes it's not always about how good you could play football but like you know your availability whether it's you know legal troubles or maturity issues stuff like that and we talked about it with chad kelly and this is just another example obviously he ended up but like he doesn't have the same problems chad care uh, chad Carey chad kelly apparently still does like he's way more mature than chad kelly um but it's just one of those things where he doesn't have that kind of privilege so you know that's a good lesson though you could have all the talent in the world but if you don't get your stuff together eventually is what it is so anyways any last thoughts remarks statements on that
1: Nope. I wish the best of luck to, uh, Carlos Thompson in the future. And, uh, yeah, that's all you can hope for. And, you know, even if it takes you a long time to, uh, get somewhere, you know, Carlos Thompson, his story isn't over who knows where he's going to go, whether that's to another team in you know, professional sports or whether he does something else with his life, you can still live a good life. So it's
0: true. There's always something after football. Also, fun fact, Carlos Thompson liked my tweet about him deserving a shot in the XFL. I don't know <laughs> if I told y'all this, but nah. it was a while ago. So,
1: I think you yeah. told me, but I didn't know who you were talking about yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah. Hey, hey, Carlos, if you want to come on to the show, you're always welcome. We have some, I, I don't know. I thought I thought Cody's interview with uh, Martin was awesome. So we have some good interviewers over here Or some pretty all right ones, so... You're always welcome. But yep. well, that being said, or Liam, sorry, did you have anything else to add on?
2: No, not really. um Yeah, hopefully, he, hopefully he can find a job because his, his skill, his talent is, is going to waste currently.
0: Yeah, and these are his prime years too. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he could. I don't know. Well, we'll figure. He'll figure something out. I'm sure once this COVID stuff goes away. It's a real unfortunate timing as well because. This would technically be only his second year since leaving college. So we still had a lot of time, but anyways, uh, Hey, thanks for rocking with us here at the playmakers corner. Make sure you check out our previous episodes, which are on all major streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, show us some love on social media as well. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And yeah. Hey, if you got somebody that, ideally like you know a high school level uh, athlete that you want us to break down film for let us know send us over the film and hopefully we could break that down as best we can and maybe even get that athlete on for an interview as well we love talking to new people getting new perspectives and all of that great stuff so with that being said i am one of your co-hosts simon villanos
1: i'm cody Stoffer and i'm liam hughes And
0: we'll see y'all next time. Show us some love on that social media, though. Peace. Bye.